We've been working on this of the with God life, the, the with God life, not the about God life or not, not just having understanding or ideas, but what does it mean to be the with God life? So if you'll turn your Bibles to Psalm 23, we're going to finish this up on this last uh, section, if you will, as it relates uh, to this kind of life. There are a lot of things here we uh, have talked about and discussed and I just want to call your attention uh, again uh, to this outline, if you just, just to kind of get it in your mind that, uh, number one, this life, am I relating to the shepherd in a personal way? That's on your hand out there. Am I relating to the shepherd in a personal way? Uh, there is of, of some interest to, again, look at it when you have some more time. The use of the per, first personal pronoun, me and I. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. All of those first person uh, personal pronouns uh, suggest that this is a very personal life. It's not just some general idea. The second thing, am I accepting pause as a part of this life? This idea of he makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, see, do I look to this shepherd for provision? For provision. Uh, he uh, provides me still water and he provides me green pastures and he leads me in pastures. All of that down to verse 5. And then today, we're going to finish up here on this one, is am I believing the promise in the midst of life? Now, the promise a section here is uh, where we say, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil, and surely goodness, verse 5 and 6, or 6, surely goodness and loving kindness or mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, I have there in my notes on this idea that uh, one of the things we're looking at here, am I believing the promise? What's the promise here? That I what will, not that if I'll hope, is I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I've talked to you a couple of times about this, and I have this thought at least for us uh, with that, and that's this. Uh, in my, the promise, is my living keeping up with my learning? Is my living keeping up with my learning uh, and that, ha that idea there is uh, the promises of God that I learn or I read about or I see, uh, am I, is that keeping up with my living? In other words, do those translate uh, into my life? Or do I know them and understand them and can quote them, but am I living them? Am I, in the moment of time or the moment of stress, uh, living them? And so I think that's an important question as we finish this up. Because David, again, has said here on this, what will follow me? What will follow me? What? Goodness and mercy. We looked at that last week. Goodness and mercy. And that has to do with, if you will, uh, this notion of trusting that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I told you the word goodness shows up in lots of different forms in the Old Testament. I want to clarify this. But the word goodness, this form, is only used of God. Only. And it only refers to God's activity or participation in our life. The goodness of the Lord is what follows us, his kindness and, and mercy to us. And so that's what's going to follow me, again, is the Lord's presence, the Lord's gifts, the Lord's matter here. Now, all of that said, I want to finish up with that section here, this, and boy, we're moving, aren't we? Well, don't, don't get too used to this, okay? Don't get too used to going this fast. This, this could give you a whiplash. But uh, in, this, in this section on promise, I, I remember what a, a guy named Maxie Dunham, who was the president of Asbury Seminary years ago, uh, made this statement when he said, one of the greatest hindrances for many Christians is to accept God's love for them personally. Notice that. 
One of the greatest hindrances uh, for many Christians is to accept God's love for them personally, that goodness and mercy will follow me, that God does love me. He loves you. And so this whole notion, if you will, of is my learning catching up with my living or vice versa, is my living catching up with my learning and is my understanding or is my belief that God loves me personally. You ever, you ever thought about that? I mean, I'm sure you have to some extent. But this psalm keeps working us in that direction to say, this is personal. This is for you. This is for me in the midst of life, in the midst of challenges or any other matter. So one of these hindrances, uh, Maxie was the president of Asbury Seminary, pastored a huge United Methodist Church in Memphis, Tennessee for years and has written widely. And so I want to consider that as we think about this final phase. And then here's the, the next thing we're going to look at today. Where I will dwell. And notice that. Where Paul, Paul, I teach Romans every day. Where David says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where will I dwell? Now, when I read that, um, I think of this term. Just, just think of this idea with me as we, we work through this. I think of the term access. I will dwell in the house of the Lord uh, forever. Uh, access uh, to God. We're going to look at why that may uh, help us understand this a little bit. Uh, you know, I have a friend uh, that works in different uh, ministry situations and, and spends a lot of time working with the poor. And uh, he goes to this church, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, comes to my Bible study on a Friday morning uh, where they gang up on me and bother me all morning. So, yeah, I need a couple of friends to show up with me if they would some Friday morning to help me with these guys. But um, uh, he said this one time to us as he was working. He said, you know, he said, poor people are people that are uh, having real challenges. Uh, one thing they need, obviously, is immediate access to food or to shelter, like kind of thing. But he said, here's the thing that's missing in a lot of ministry. He said, you know what people really need? They need access to your friends. And I went, hmm. Now, I never thought about that. That, that. that what people need who may be in poverty or what people need who may be in tough situations is what they need is access to our friends. Why? What, what, what does access help us with? What, what has access ever helped you with? With your friends? Why? You can answer this. Support. Okay. Yeah. Anybody ever got a job because they knew somebody? Hmm? Anybody ever got a job? Yeah. Yeah, access. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes we get to the, to the doctor because we know someone. Uh, I, was, uh, I asked Becky if I could share this, and she didn't say anything, so I took that as a yes. <clears throat> you know. In 2000, uh, Becky was diagnosed with breast cancer, and so we went to the doctor, and he told us all these kind of things. When Becky was Marty's uh, executive assistant for 16 years, uh, longer than anybody on the earth at this point, and... Uh, so she, uh, she, Marty knew, and so one evening when Marty was at a gathering, um, uh, he just made a comment to a person that his administrative assistant had been diagnosed with breast cancer. Well, uh, what this person was he was talking to was a person who had set up the breast care center at OU, had written several books on research about that, and this person said to Marty, tell her I want to see her tomorrow. Now, why was that? Access, right? Access. Uh, I, I remember we went in the office, and one of the people in the office was a former student of mine. 
I got to really be careful where I go in this city, you know, because I mean, they're everywhere. Somebody asked me the other day, I've been teaching 52 semesters. Sheesh. 52 semesters. So we walk in and we are, I meet my, hi, it's nice to see you again, I think. What's your, your name again? No, you know, can't remember. But she said to me, she goes, you know, this doesn't happen. You don't get to see him this quickly. Well, why did we? Because of access. So when we think about this, this idea of access to God or access to dwell, if you will, in the house of the Lord forever. So let's look at that here just for a moment. This word dwell, and I've got you lots of space there you can work on. This idea here of dwell, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, what's interesting to me, I think where I'll dwell, what's interesting to me is this word. Uh, and I, I want you to look at it in context. It says, I will dwell. The word dwell here means to sit down, literally to sit down. Now, in the ancient world, in the ancient Near East, uh, Sitting was something that not everybody could do. Uh, people that were in slavery or people that were poor, uh, sitting was generally the posture of rest and high position. Uh, and so the idea of sitting somewhere or dwelling somewhere suggests welcome. It suggests position and not position like sitting, but position in terms of importance. And David says this, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. Now, interestingly, where does he say he's going to dwell there? Where? He's going to sit down where? In the house of the Lord. Now, we're going to look at what that means here in a second, but just remember that in the temple, if you will, and in the tabernacle, which we're going to look at here in a moment, there were no seats. <laughs> there was nowhere to sit. No one sat in the presence of God. And yet that's exactly what this word means. I wonder what, what David is referring to, the promise here, that any time sitting occurs, it's position, if you will, and I mean by rank, or rest. If you look at this in Hebrews chapter 1, when it said Jesus finished his work of redemption, do you know what he did? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, when, when David is saying this, that when I am going to, dwell or sit down, if you will, in the house of God. What could this mean? Rest from what? Life? Okay. From life. Yeah, I'd like some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Rest from life. Rest from work. Yeah. I would suggest all those are true. And then as well as rest in terms of the work of salvation. It's been done. It's complete. R.A. Torrey said this, that one of the great challenges for most people is they never have learned to rest in the finished work of Jesus. They've never learned to rest in the finished work of Jesus, that he's done it all. There's nothing left for me to do except what? Receive it and sit down. There's nothing left for me to do. There's no other work for me to do except to receive the gift of his work and sit down. So David says here, I'm going to rest. That's the promise. I'm going to sit down in the house of the Lord or this temple where no one ever sat down. So the question for us would be, in some respect, this idea, what's your position in God's house? Are you still working? Are you still busy? 
Are you still feeling like you've got to earn your keep? Hard to receive. Yeah. Can I tell them what you just said to me before that? Yeah. Well, I was going to do it anyway, but, you know, I would ask. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, be careful. Uh, we were talking earlier before class, and uh, Philip said I, I, he feels bad uh, uh, because he can't get his mind around this. That knowing all that he's been through and all his experience, that the gospel is too good to be true. And I said, hallelujah. You should not feel bad about that. You should feel great about that. That if the gospel is so understandable that I know that I still got to do this and I still got to work and I got to do that, then that's why it isn't good news. But if it is too good to be true, I told him David Martin Lloyd-Jones was a great Baptist preacher in the 20th century, made this statement. I read it in his book on preaching when he said this. If the response of people, when they get through hearing the gospel when you preach it, is not this, hey, that's great, but that's too good to be true. He said, if you don't get that response, you've not been preaching the gospel. If it isn't too good to be true, if it isn't like, Oh, come on, this, this, this can't be that good. Come on, right? He said, you're not preaching the gospel. The gospel should, let me say it this way, and I, I, maybe this makes sense. I don't, I don't know, does it? Anyway, two or three people talking right now. Maybe the gospel, if we really hear it as it is, should offend our minds. That makes sense. That's, that's, no, come on, that's too good. When I mean offend your mind, I don't mean like you're stupid. I mean to offend it to say, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't seem fair to me. That doesn't seem right to me. And so I said to Philip, I said, instead of feeling bad about that, I would suggest you raise your hands and do the happy dance. Not right now. He's Presbyterian, so he can't get past here. Be, if it would be, it'd be a happy dance like this, right? So, and I apologize to all my Presbyterian friends. It wouldn't even be that high, would it? it just, he would just kind of... That'd be Philip right there. Yeah, that's it. So, so but, but the idea of, of, of resting, 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 sitting down in the presence of... Of the Lord. I mean, that is a that idea is so uncommon in the ancient world. It is hard to even think about to be sitting in the presence of God. You know, I I was taught as a kid that when somebody important comes around, you stand up. You know, you stand up or or you acknowledge someone when they. My dad even taught me when a when a lady comes from stand up. You know, show some respect here. To stand up, why? That, that's, it's a matter of respect. Well, I mean, we should respect God, no question about it. But for him to invite us to sit, to be with him, to sit down. This term of dwelling, meaning sitting down, is the idea of rest from our work. From life, sure. But how many of us need to rest from time to do enough to get God to love us? Or rest... To get God to forgive us. Or rest to believe that God is for us and not against us. How, how many of us need that? <clears throat> to sit down. 
I mean spiritually, maybe even physically you do that, to say, I'm going to sit down in God's presence, if you will, to indicate I'm done with trying to be good enough. I'm done with trying to finish enough. I'm done with trying to achieve enough. I'm done with trying to make it on my own. I would just ask you to consider that. Yes. Yeah, for recording purposes, she's asking, do we have any idea what phase of his life was it? You know, September 12th, uh, uh, four, no, we don't, no, no, <laughs> no. I don't know that anyone has ever considered that. I, I think there might be some thought that he, it, it may be early in his life or his kingship, perhaps, when David remembers graphically what it was like to be a shepherd. I don't think that that's, you know, necessarily uh, true, uh, but it certainly is something where David has relied on his past history and it's fresh in his mind. Uh, to the, but I just, I don't know, Luann, if there is any particular evidence. Have you read anything like that? Yeah, I, I think she's saying it could when he's older, and uh, you know now she's contradicting the teacher. And so <laughs> she's she's been a great teacher. No, <clears throat> uh, but I don't know. I don't know. It, but you know, it could have some meaning either way for a person to say when they're older, when they're more mature, when they've reflected a little more, because you know he was considered the shepherd king. So I I, I think there's you know good possibility either way on that. But it certainly seems to me that David is trying to help us understand he's going to dwell somewhere. He's going to rest. Now, again, I, you know, I like to rest. I like to take a nap like that. But there's a part of me and a, a, a deal in me as a sometimes a type A person that I always have a tendency to think there's something else I got to do. When I have to rest in Jesus. I have to sit down and say, you know what? Uh, I trust you and rest you. Look, look just real quick, if you will, in your table of contents. Find the book of Hebrews real quick. This idea real quick, and we're going to finish it. Book of Hebrews 1148, chapter 4 in Hebrews. And then we'll look at one of the thought that Jesus had. In chapter... Uh, Four of Hebrews, um, <clears throat> chapter four, verse one says, therefore, and what, what, what the writer is attempting to do is to pull forward some of the argument from chapter two or chapter three, that Jesus is our great uh, priest and one with us. And he says in verse four, chapter one, verse chapter four, verse one, therefore, let us fear or be reverent. Phobeomai is the Greek word there to let us be reverent. If while a promise remains of entering his, what? Rest, any one of you comes short of it. For indeed, we who have had good news preached to us, just as also they, but the word did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Now, you know, I, I think there are people who just doubt, maybe, 
But I think some of us have trouble believing it because it's too good to be true. Right? Watch this, verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest. If we've believed in Jesus as the finished work, as the one who invites us in, that we've entered that rest when we believe. There's, there, now my mind's running. Uh, go to John, later. Go to John 6. Later. <clears throat> later. Don't go now. <laughs> People opening their Bibles while I'm talking. Uh, John 6, look later when it says this, when Jesus is referring to the crowd, you can go there. I mean, obviously. Uh, uh, the crowds are, Jesus says, don't work for the food that perishes, but the work, work for the food that endures to eternal life. And they said, well, what do we do to do the works of God? Notice, when you go back there, look at that. Jesus said, don't, don't labor for the food, but work for the food that endures to eternal life. Work, singular. And they say, well, what do we do to, for the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, the work that you believe on him who he has sent. This is the work that you believe on him whom he sent. So that this idea is your learning catching up with your living. Is the promise that we have here. Are we, are we, are we living that out? Catch up. And of course, in Matthew 11, where Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So David says, I'm going somewhere to rest. Or if you will, I have access to God. Now, I want to look here when he says this. Uh, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. It might be helpful to you sometime to, to just run this idea down. I just want you to think about it. That the word house here. Uh, is the word, if you will, uh, that's often translated tabernacle. Tabernacle. Um, and, and when David says this, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord, I think, I think maybe sometimes, sometimes we have the idea that this is what he means. This is a mock-up rendition there at the, in Jerusalem of the, of the temple that would call, you know, Bayet, that's the Hebrew word, Bayet, uh, house of the Lord. That this would be the outer court here, the outer court here. This is the inner court in the Holy Spirit. That, that's what, at least when I hear David say that I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what I think of. Anybody else with me? I, that, that's kind of what comes to my mind. Well, that's not what's going on in David's day. Remember, <clears throat> David wanted to build the temple. And God said in 2 Chronicles, no, you've been a man of war. You can't do that. I'm going to leave that to your son. So David assembles all of the materials for the temple, but he never, so it never exists in his lifetime, right? So when we think of this, we ought to think of this, the tabernacle. This is a movable, <clears throat> uh, mobile, <clears throat> uh, if you will, uh, tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant is on the inside in there. Some of the other shoe bread, the menorah is under that, uh, uh, those animal skins there. And when David says, uh, I want to I dwell in the house of the Lord forever, he's thinking this. This is all that's available. Uh, <clears throat> this, this idea, this is what David sought. And here's what I want to kind of just work toward here just a little bit. At least in my thinking, this is what's been going on. That David isn't thinking of this. And I don't know that he's thinking of this. I think he's thinking 
not of a place, but a person. Not of a place, but a person. I want to work that out just a little bit. <clears throat> that, that this idea <clears throat> that David saw, believed and sought that he would live in the presence of God forever. Now, the Hebrew word here, in, when it means, it's translated forever, means a long time. Well, that's deep, isn't it? I just, whoa, wow. <clears throat> now, it, it, I'm just saying, in other places, sometimes it just means a long time or something that's lengthy. <clears throat> but here, the notion is the idea of forever. Yeah, they forever. And, and David is saying, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Made me think of this idea of if you would associate that with heaven or you would associate that with the afterlife, um, what, what would we think here? Certainly David thinks of a place, this place right here. It's not real beautiful. It doesn't have a lot of awe and wonder of it. But David is thinking here of a, not just a place, but a person. I will dwell in God's house forever. I want to ask you a couple questions here um, as it relates to this. Um, well, let, let me give you a couple other verses here uh, real quick before I move to that. Um, this idea of tabernacle is the idea of this uh, mobile, if you will, movable place. Jesus is said to have tabernacled with us. In John 1, 14, it says this, and the word became flesh and it dwelt. Ever seen that? The word is skone, which literally means tabernacled with us. That Jesus came and set up shop, if you will, and tabernacled with us. It's also interesting that this word tabernacle or the dwelling place is found in Revelation 21. In Revelation 21 where it says, Surely the dwelling or the tabernacle of God is among men. That God's presence was in Jesus in John 1.14. And in Revelation 21.3, the idea of tabernacling or setting up a place of God's presence is now among people. The, the tabernacle of God is now among men. So I want to ask you a couple of questions here as we think this through. Um, my, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you think about going to heaven, and I, I just wrote a couple of things here uh, that uh, caused me to think about this. Uh, Lance uh, Ward uh, preached a sermon, a great sermon a couple of years ago uh, that I, I thought about this again with this idea. When I think about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, what do you think about? Just think for a second. <clears throat> when you think about going to heaven or dwelling in God's house forever, what do you think about? Um, I had a professor that it really offended me until I got older that he said when he thought about heaven, he thought he would do this. He would go across the line and go, I made it. <laughs> and I just went, that kind of offended me. You know what? Makes perfect sense now. <laughs> when you're older, right? Whew, made it. <laughs> you, know, you know, do you think of that? Uh, do, do you think of, of people? Do, do you think of streets of gold? Do you think of some kind of place or some kind of house or some kind of experience that you're going to? You know, I, you talk to people, have all kinds of things. When people sometimes discuss this, 
when they talk about death or heaven, it's interesting to hear their comments. And I remember uh, some time ago, I asked Becky the other day, I just asked her the other day, I said, Becky, when you die, uh, when you die, when you go to heaven, who do you want to see? And she goes, well, if you're there, um... she did. I'm not kidding. Let's get past that. <laughs> what she meant was, if I go for what I don't know, what, I don't know what she meant. Yeah, and we we talked about that for a minute, and and I, you know, um, I know there's lots of of discussion at times about those kind of things, uh, and I and and I know I, you know, in my own life, uh, my grandmother Mima uh, was kind of the pillar of our family. And uh, I thought, well, I'd sure like to see Mima. I'd sure like to see her. I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to see the Apostle Paul. I got a couple of questions for him. <laughs> really, I got, I got a couple of big questions about him, for him. Uh, but, but I just want to sensitize you here just a little bit. I, I sometimes am a little surprised. That when we think about going to dwell in the house of the Lord, that we don't think, first of all, about Jesus. To see him. I mean, I have some loved ones in heaven. I bet you do, too. And, 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 I, and I think about them. But, but when I think about this thing, David, I don't think, could have been thinking, what a great place. Right? I don't, I don't think it, oh boy, I did a great thing to go to the tabernacle. <laughs> nice, nice accommodations, you know. I, I think, I want to say it this way, that David, when he considered the house of the Lord, he didn't think of place, he thought of person. Not place, but person. And I, I just want to sensitize us a little bit to this. That, 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 that the idea of, of person, of who are we going to see, when we dwell in the house of the Lord, who's going to be the one you and I want to see first? Yeah, Kevin. Uh, I think you're talking about the kingdom coming foreshadowing hmm. here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ken, you're, and he's saying that he, for recording purposes, that he thinks he could also be referring to the kingdom of God, that it's now. You know, there is the idea in some people's minds that kingdom's later. But as he, Dallas Willard, the kingdom's here, that we're in the presence of God. That's why I call it the with God life, that we're with him now. But there is some sense in which uh, there will be a fuller experience of experiencing God in a fuller, more majestic, more complete way uh, than now. But I, you're right that this kingdom, this, pre, this with God life is right now. And one author, author said it, it's the already and the not yet. There's an already dimension to it, but a not yet. So we need to be living in that kingdom now. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. David is thinking he's living in that. 
But you remember he said in Psalm 27, you can go look at this later, who have I in heaven but you? Isn't that interesting? Who do I have in heaven but you? I just want to sensitize us to this, that sometimes if I, it's just close opinion. Again, thoughts and opinions as a teacher, not necessarily thoughts and opinions across the community church. It's elders or leadership. That sometimes heaven becomes less about God and more about our family or more about our home and heaven or, you know, are we going to be over by a stream instead of to dwell in the Father's house is to dwell with the Father, Right? And I just want to sensitize us to that because the tendency is for us to make it some kind of formulation idea of our own. I think David, in the kingdom, David understood heaven as a place where the Father would be. So here's a picture I just want to put in your mind and put in your thought processes here. That if I dwell in the house of the Lord forever, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to rest because salvation's work is done. I'm going to this place. My dad used to say, I don't care if heaven is a phone booth, if Jesus is there, <laughs> you know, or this idea. I don't, I don't care what it looks like. I'm not concerned, you know, does it look like Western Kansas? It, it couldn't, but even if it did, <laughs> what's going to make heaven heaven is Jesus. And when I think about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, and I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't think about others. I'm not saying you shouldn't think about that. I'm just saying, I wonder if we ought to sometimes be drawn back to this idea to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that the glory of that experience will be that we will be with him. And this is what I think of. Right. Yep. In heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Walking with him now and walking in the future. That's what I think of. Dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Again, what the conditions are and all the details, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know that we could know. I don't know that it would make any difference that we know. But one of the features or one of the characteristics I want to sensitize myself to when David said, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, in the ancient world, this house idea, in the ancient world, tabernacle, houses like this, families usually live together and just kind of add it on to their houses and I've wondered at different times when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's, what? House are many rooms. That's what it means. We got the idea in our mind, many mansions. Like, okay, Eric's going to be down there on, you know, four St. James plate, you know, place. And Cliff's going to be over here in the dump ground. You know, uh, you know that's not what that means. In my Father's house are many rooms. It's his house, not yours. <laughs> I don't have a mansion. I know it's been over on the hilltop, but, uh, you know, don't get your whole theology from songs. <laughs> but, but the idea that this is a house, a mansion, a place that has lots of rooms and will dwell in it. And so I just want to ask you to consider when you think of the with God life that you're with him now, do you consider that when you dwell with him forever, that it's really going to be with him? Not just a place, but a person. That makes a lot of difference to me. 
I, again, I, I'm not sure what it's going to look like completely. I, you know, I have not seen, ear hath not heard what the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. But I know one thing. He'll be there. And if He's there, and I'm there, that's enough. That's enough. I, I have in my mind a, a couple of expressions I probably see in Jesus' face. You ever thought about that? What you're gonna, what, when He looks at you? I, like... I just, I have that in my mind. I, whether it's true or not, I, I, just, I just have this notion like, mm-hmm. When, but, but when you think about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, is it a place or is it a person? Uh, think about that. Yes. Yeah, that, that's back to Ken's comment. Dallas Willard made this statement some years ago that, and this is before he got uh, terminally ill. He said this, he said that he, wanted, he, he, he believed that living in the kingdom now, that living in the presence of God now, this kingdom life, that he said that when he died, he thought it might take him two or three days to figure out he's dead. When I read that, I went, no. Is that possible? I mean, think about that. That I'm, I'm living this with God life. He's protecting me. You know, he's providing me. He's following me every day with goodness and mercy. His loving kindness stays with me. That a guy would die and take three days to figure it out. He, I mean, I, that's... That, that just, when I read that, I just put the book down and said, I don't know anything this guy's talking about. Because, I mean, that's the kind of with God life. So here's a kind of final wrap up here on this. With this, with this matter about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Is your life and is my life more principle driven or more person driven? Is, is our life more principled-driven? Well, that's the right thing to do. That's okay. It's the right thing to do. This is what the Bible says. Or is it more person-driven? To where I'm actually responding to a person. Not a principle. Not a Christian principle. Not a Christian idea. Not a biblical notion. But I'm responding to a person. I think this is one of the things that David helps us with. One of the things that we understand here that goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life and one day I will dwell in the completeness of it, the fullness of it, of what I'm experiencing now a little bit. So is my life principle-driven or is my life person-driven? If someone were to ask others about you when you think about heaven or the presence of God, do you think of a person? So here's the final thing I want to ask you to do. What if even if you focused on God's presence more than this place, the church, what I'm talking about, Crossings Community Church, today, you can come to church and just be aware of the church, like people, and that's okay. But if you focused on God's presence today more than this place, 
What will you do differently? What, what will you do differently today? While you're here today, I'm going to focus more on God's presence than on the place. Or what if during the Christmas season you gave more attention to who you are seeing than where you're seeing them? What if during the Christmas time you said, I want to, I want to focus more on who I'm seeing than where we're seeing them? Where we're seeing them. You know, I've said this to Becky before. She's a wonderful host, and she loves, loves to care for people. One of the ways she cares for them. But sometimes I'll say, Becky, nobody's coming here to inspect our house. I don't think. Uh, and and it, she, she, she knows that too. But, but sometimes there's, in all this preparation in the season, that we try to get the place ready, right? Instead of enjoy the people. That's what I'm saying here. Instead of being so concerned about the place, why don't we be concerned about the person or the people? So where will you dwell? Where will I dwell? When, when you think about dwelling forever, what's it going to look like? I hope, in my judgment or my opinion, it looks like this. I hope that's blazing in your mind. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, We uh, know lots of biblical principles and ideas. But we hunger and thirst for knowing you as a person. Of, of dwelling in your house, wherever it is, whatever it looks like, whatever it appears to be. So would you help us in this season and in our lives to focus our attention on the person and not the place. To know the sweetness of fellowship with you. To say, Lord, wherever it is ultimately, wherever heaven is, where, whatever it's about, let us know that you'll be there. And that will be the glory of it all. Help me, help us all to not get so caught up in the place as in the person. And we pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen.